Well, last week as we began the new series, I was sharing with you how when I first became a follower of Jesus, I made a couple awkward attempts at sharing my faith with other people, and I was like, man, this just isn't working. And so I ended up taking a class to learn exactly how do you go about doing this, and I had great success with that. Now, I know some of you asked, you're like, hey, is that a class that we could take? Technically, yes, you could, but I'm going to recommend no for two reasons. First of all, that particular class, you memorized an entire 30-minute presentation. A lot of you go, I can't memorize anything, and this was a half-hour presentation that you ended up memorizing. And then what you would do is you would then go out and you would share it with people. And by going out and sharing it with people, what I mean is going out and sharing it with basically complete strangers. And so if you've ever had like a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness like knock at your door or ring your doorbell and you like peek out and you go, no, I'm not answering the door. I'm not letting those people in. We were basically the Christian version of them, right? So we were going out and doing that. And back in that day and time, this would have been like the late 90s, that worked that you could just go up to random strangers' homes and ring the doorbell and people would let you in. Anymore, people don't do that. So again, there's a lot of reasons not to do it that way. But really, when you say that, hey, could you teach us how to share our faith with other people, there, there's really a couple questions that you're asking. Number one, you want to know, how do I do something that it's like easy for me to do? That like, I'm not going to get like stumped by like a bunch of stuff or be made to look like a fool in some ways. Uh, another thing that you want to know how to do is how do I answer any tough questions that may come my way? You know, people object to what I'm saying. How, how, do, I, how do I handle that? If somebody asks me a question, I don't know how to answer it. How, how do I do something like that? Then you want to know how do I make sure I'm not offending people, right? You, you don't want to come across as offensive. And then the final thing is you're like, man, can you share with me how to share my faith in a way that I don't come across as being weird? Because I don't want to be one of those people that, like, as soon as I walk into the room, people are like, oh, man, here they come. We know exactly what we're getting here. They're going to shove Jesus down our throats right now. So you don't want that either. And so that's what we're going to look today as we continue in our series called Bridge Builders. Part two here, I want to talk about, okay, how did Jesus overcome each of those four major areas that you have, because they're barriers. There are things that are keeping you from being a bridge builder, and we want to look how do we overcome each and every one of those barriers. So number one on your outline, we're just going to jump right into it here today. To share my faith like Jesus, I must ask a lot of questions. You got to ask a lot of questions. So many of you are worried about, well, what if I get asked a question? I don't know how to, how to answer it. Well, I shared that with you last week. If you get a question you don't know how to answer, the simplest thing to do is say, that's a great question. I don't know. I just simply don't know the answer to that, but here's what I will do. I'm going to go home, I'm going to research it, and then I'll return back and share the answer with you. So that's very, very simple. You don't have to be Bible answer man or Bible answer woman. You just simply go, I don't know. That's easy, right? Saying, I don't know, that's pretty easy. Anybody can do that. Now, again, as I shared last week, the important thing is that you actually do research it, and then you go back and share the answer that you came up with. But even that, as easy as that is, that was not Jesus' method. Jesus' method, when he got asked tough questions, was he would actually ask questions back in return. Here's something you may not know. Jesus was asked, 183 questions as we read through the Gospels, okay? 183 questions that Jesus has asked. Do you know how many questions Jesus answered of those 183? Take a wild guess. How many of them did he answer out of 183? 
Okay, I'm hearing all kinds of numbers coming out. Those of you in the chat probably got it right. It's three. Only three questions that he directly answers their question. So again, think about this. 183 times he's asked a question, but only three times does he give a direct answer back to the question because Jesus understood that many of the questions that he was getting were basically smoke screens. They were just trying to distract Jesus. And then that's what you're going to get a lot of times. You're going to get people that they're asking questions, not because they legitimately want to know the answer to that question. They're asking you the question because they're trying to get around the topic. They're trying to stump you. They're convicted themselves about something. They just don't want to talk about it. So they're like, I'm going to throw out this tough question and I'm going to stump them with this. And that's what was happening a lot of times. 183 times Jesus asked questions. Some of them were legit. But many of them came from the Pharisees, and what they were trying to do is trap him. They were trying to discredit him. So he just simply doesn't answer their questions. Instead, Jesus flips the script, and he starts asking questions. He ends up asking 307 questions of people. Now, I want you to think about that. Let's do the math. For every single question that Jesus answered, he asked 100 questions. Say that again. For every single question that Jesus answered, he asked in return 100 different questions. He was a master at asking questions, and you need to do the exact same thing. Last week, I shared with you that most of your influence is going to come uh, not just because of uh, 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 or, or you know, your influence, I should say, is, is to point people to Jesus. And, and what Jesus is trying to get us to see here by asking a lot of questions is that your influence mostly is going to come by being a good listener, not by being a talker. Most of your influence is you're trying to point people to Jesus is going to come from listening to people, not doing a lot of talking yourself. And so learn how to ask questions. And then listen to how the people respond. Follow up with some additional questions. Listen how they respond. Just keep going on. Ask questions. And eventually it'll become pretty obvious how you can follow up. Let me give you an example of this from Scripture. Jesus was in uh, Matthew 16. He's taken the disciples into the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, you, you sure we should be here? I mean, you know, this is a pretty, it's a pretty rough area here. The, look what the people are doing. Jesus, are, are you sure we should be here? It basically, it's the same as like how many Christians today go, Vegas, should we, should we even be in Vegas right now? So that, that's the reason that Jesus takes them into. And he's like, yeah, 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 you're, you're here for a reason. There's something I want to ask you guys. He's going to ask a question. And what Jesus is about to ask is the most important question they're ever going to hear. But remember, every time you ask a question, you listen, and then you follow up with additional questions. And we're going to see Jesus do that very thing. Because to get to the question that you really want to get to, a lot of times you've got to sort of build up to that question. So that's what Jesus is going to do here. Matthew 16, verse 13. Here's the first thing he asked. We read this. When Jesus and his disciples arrived in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked them a what? He asked them, he asked them a question. Who do people 
say that I am. There is a lot of rumors going around about who this Jesus guy was. So what does he say to the disciples? He's like, hey, what's the word on the street? Who is it that people say that I am? And the disciples are going, oh my goodness, like some people are saying you're like John the Baptist reincarnated. Some people are going, you're Elijah. Some people are saying you're Jeremiah. Some people are saying you're one of the other Old Testament prophets. And Jesus is like, hmm, okay, let's see. Verse 15, then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And this is the most important question they would ever be asked, and this is the most important question you'll ever be asked in life as well. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because how you answer that determines not just your life here on the earth, but it determines your eternal life as well. Who is Jesus to you? Now, as Jesus asked this question, it's Peter who speaks up, verses 16 to 18. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So it's through asking this question, who do people say that I am? And then listening to how they responded. And then Jesus asked the follow-up question, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, and he becomes not Simon any longer. He now becomes Peter. Not Simon the fisherman. Now he's Peter, the rock, the rock on which the church is going to be built, this new leader. And God uh, does that all the time. There's a, a thing about asking good questions of people that has a way of helping them to change. When you learn how to ask good questions, and you listen, become a good listener, not a good talker. Most of your talking is just you're following up, you're asking more questions. When you ask good questions and follow up and ask more questions, that has the power to change people's lives. Change my life. My wife, Lisa, is like not an evangelist at all. I mean, I cannot stress how low on the scale of evangelism she rates, okay? That's not wrong. God's wired us all up different ways. But of the 23 to 27 spiritual gifts that are listed in Scripture, it depends on whose list you're looking at. Some, some of them combine certain things together. But if you look, there's like 23 to 27. So the, the gift of evangelism is one of those. And I score really, really high in that, of sharing faith comes very, very easy and naturally to me. Lisa, when she takes the test, it's like way down here. You can't get much lower when it comes to evangelism. But how did I come to Jesus? Not because she was super smart and sharing her faith. And, well, here's what Scripture says and stuff. You know how it started? It started with her asking me a question. Hey, do you happen to go to a church? And I shared. And she followed up with some additional questions. And I shared. And she followed up with some additional questions. She wasn't talking to me about faith. She was getting me to start to question my own thoughts, my own beliefs, my own actions of who am I? What do I really believe? 
And ultimately, it's through asking questions like that that she was able to then do what we talked about last week. Because as I looked at her life, I'm like, there is something different about her. There's something that she has that I want. And she was then able to ask, again, what we talked about last week, or actually say to me, well, hey, you want to know what's different? Come and see. Come to my church. Come check it out and see. And so I went to the church. And it was through then at her church that I met the people who had the spiritual gift of evangelism. They were able to share the gospel with me in a way that made sense. That's how my life was changed. Started with Lisa just simply asking a lot of questions. There's power in questions. So what kind of questions can you be asking of your family members and your friends and your neighbors and your your coworkers that would get them to start to, to question their own beliefs and their own thoughts and their own values? It doesn't have to be hard. Just ask some questions. Maybe it is something that's a little bit more theological. Maybe ask a question like, you know, um, I wonder why Jesus made such a difference in the world. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't even believe in him and stuff throughout the world, but there, there's no doubt that Jesus made such an impact. I wonder why that is. See what they have to say. Listen. Follow up with some additional questions. Or we talked last week, you know, one of the, the things you can do is just ask somebody, hey, is there anything I'd be praying about for you? It's a great question. Just keep asking Question after question after question after question. One of the questions that you could ask is, I wonder why it is that like a lot of Americans aren't going to church anymore. That's a good question. Now notice if it's somebody that like it's your coworker and you know that they don't go to church, you don't say to them, Why don't you go to church? That's not a good question. But you could basically ask them that question by going, why do you think most people don't go to church? You know what they're going to do? They're going to give you their answer. But you made it broad enough, general enough, that they're like, well, probably because all the hypocrites. Or it's boring. Or they're just going to be after my money. Or or whatever it is that they're going to give you their answer. And you just listen and you ask some additional follow-up questions to that. Now, maybe even those, you're still, like, a little nervous about all that. Could could I even talk about things of faith like that? Well, if that seems overwhelming, here's something you could do. Tomorrow, when you arrive at work, ask somebody this simple question. And it's probably one you already ask anyway. What would you do this weekend? Is there anybody here, anybody online that's intimidated by asking one of your coworkers that you already know, how was your weekend? Anybody here? No. Very, very simple question you can answer or uh, ask people. And what are you going to do? You ask a question, then you, you listen. And then what do you do? You ask some more questions. And then what do you do? You, and then you ask some more questions. You're getting to know them. You're you're getting to hear their story a little bit. Now, eventually, what are they going to do? They're going to ask you what question? What is it? How was your weekend? 
And this is where you have the opportunity to shift it to something a little bit more spiritual. Again, you're probably already having these conversations with your coworkers every week anyway. How's your weekend? And then they ask you, how's your weekend? And you share. But you could turn this into a spiritual conversation. How do you do that? Very, very simply. Mention church. Mention all the other things. We took the kids on Friday night to do this. And then Saturday, we went out and we ran some errands. And then Sunday, and then this is the point where you're not going to preach a sermon to them when you talk about church. And the question you're going to ask them isn't going to be, you know, did you go to church? Because it's very obvious that you need to go to church. You know, that, that's, that's not the type of thing you're going to do. Again, we're not going to preach Gilbert's sermon to them. We're going to do something like this. We're going to ask a question. We're going to turn it into a question. So let me give you a couple of examples of, of something you could do. And we'll actually use something that I already said here in the sermon. So they say, well, so how was your weekend? And you're like, great. We took the kids on Friday night to this, and Saturday we did the errands and stuff. And then, you know, Sunday my pastor said something that I've been really, really thinking about. And he, he said that most of our influence in life is more through, like, listening than through talking. What do you think about that? See, you're not preaching the sermon. You're asking a question. What do you think about that? So that's one way you could do it. Here's another way that, you know, so they follow up and they say to you, so how was your weekend? And you're like, great, man, that's Friday night. We took the kids, we did this, and then on Saturday we did the errands. And Sunday, you know, there was something my pastor said, and it really convicted me. And it was that our greatest influence in life is through more of listening than talking. And, and what I'm realizing about my own life is I probably talk way more than I should. So could I ask you a question? Would you do me a favor and would you hold me accountable here at work? Because I'm going to have some like family members and friends that are holding me accountable at home. But here at work, could you hold me accountable to being a better listener than a talker. I'm giving you permission just to call me out if you see me doing it. See what you did? You just asked them a question. Will you hold me accountable? And what you've done now is you've invited them into your faith journey. They're starting to see that, oh, well, that actually makes sense, listening more than talking. And they start to then reflect on their own life. So they're holding you accountable but now they're reflecting, if I'm holding this person accountable, maybe I better be a better listener than talker. And all of a sudden, God's starting to work in their life a little bit. And you're, you know, constantly just talking to this person, asking questions each and every week. Man, my pastor said something else that just blew me away. You know, it probably wasn't me that said it would have been the Aider bill or something, right, if it blew you away. But, uh, you know, it's like, man, that, that was great. What do you think about that? And, and so you're just getting them to think about it. And ultimately, just like what I did with Lisa, I'm like, what is different about you? I, I need to know. And now they're asking the questions. And that's the open invitation now for you to go, come and see. Just come out and see what's going on. So we're going to ask questions. We're going to listen ask more questions. We're going to build a relationship with somebody and eventually ask them to come and see. Number two, to share my faith like Jesus, I must learn to tell stories, especially my own. 
Now, when we look at the, the, the preaching of Jesus, did Jesus tell any stories? Sure he did. Did Jesus preach great, deep theological truths? Sure he did. Was Jesus afraid to talk about any topic? No. But out of those, what did he do the most? Did he sit in and preach hard at people most? No. It's that first question I asked you. Did Jesus tell any stories? The answer is, he told a ton of stories. Now, we call those stories parables. And what you need to realize about Jesus is, Jesus wasn't the only one that was telling parables in his day and time. The other rabbis in his day and time, they told parables. In fact, as you look at the rabbinical teachings of that day and time, there was about 2,000 parables that the rabbis of Jesus' day would tell. And there was sort of a formula of how they would tell these particular parables. Think of it this way. It's sort of like how our modern-day fairy tales that we have, they always start with, once upon a time, and they always end with, and they all lived happily ever after. So there's sort of a formula to it. And so these parables, they had a formula. And Jesus, he would use sort of that formula that they used, but there was something different about the parables that Jesus would tell. You see, in that day and time, they would always, when they would tell one of these parables, they would always lead to the same conclusion. Sort of like our modern day fairy tales. If you're telling the, the story of Hansel and Gretel, everybody's going to say, and the moral of the story is stranger danger, right? Be careful about strangers. Or if you're telling the, the, the story of uh, the, the three little pigs, let's say, the moral of the story is about hard work, that hard work pays off. So you see what I'm saying? No matter who was telling the story, it was always going to lead to the same conclusion. And so Jesus is telling a lot of these different stories, and a lot of them were in very similar vein to the stories that they had heard throughout time, these 2,000 parables. But then Jesus would come in, and he would give it this unexpected twist. So Jesus starts talking about, like, let's use like the Good Samaritan. And so he's telling the story. Like, Let me tell you a story. You know, there's this guy, he gets beat up on the road, and all of a sudden, you know, here comes this Pharisee that's passing by, and people are like, yep, we've heard this story before. We know exactly how this story ends. Pharisee's going to be the hero. I'm going to save this guy. Just like, well, the Pharisee just walked right by, and they're like, wait, that, that's not how the story ends. What? what? And Jesus continues on, and he continues on, and he's like, and then, you know, there's this Samaritan dude. He comes by. He takes care of the man, takes him into town, puts him into a hotel room, cleans up all the, the wounds and everything, pays for the hotel room for a couple days for the guy. People are like, well, that's not how the story was supposed to end. And Jesus does this over and over and over through many of his parables. He takes what they thought was going to happen, and he flips it. There's a surprise twist. And in the, 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 the parable of the shrewd manager, right? Read that one sometime. People are like, oh, man, this, this guy, man, he's going he's gonna to end up in prison or something. She's like, man, I've never seen anybody as wise as this man. They're like, what? What's going on here? And what I'm saying to you is when you're sharing a story about, man, my, my marriage, it was a wreck, or I had this addiction, or my finances were a mess, 
People are like, man, been there, done that. I know how this story ends. But then you throw in that twist, and that twist is, but then I met Jesus. Now, here's how my marriage is. Now, I've overcome that addiction. Now, my finances aren't a mess anymore. People are like, I didn't see that coming. So learn how to share your story. And I, I talked about this last week. It's a very, very simple formula. Here's who I was. Then I met Jesus. Here's who I am today. So you take about one minute to share, here's who I used to be. About one minute to share, here's how I met Jesus. And then two, three minutes to share, here's the, 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 uh, the, the change, the transformation that he's made in my life today. So it doesn't have to be long. And here's the cool thing about your story. You can't mess it up. Remember I talked about how I learned a half-hour gospel presentation that I had to memorize it word for word all the way through? You don't want to do something like that because now you're like, what do I say next? Well, when it comes to your testimony, when it comes to sharing your story, you don't have to have it memorized because you already know it because you lived it. Here's how I used to be. I had this problem. Anger, lust, an addiction, a broken marriage, the finances, whatever it is. Here's how I used to be. And you just share a little bit of that story. But then, you know, my story is, but then I met who turned out to be my future wife, and she was the strangest person that I'd ever met in my life. Because she, like, was reading her Bible every day going to church, not just once on Sundays, but twice. Talking about prayer like she knew God in a personal way. She was the strangest person I'd ever met. But then there was just something that I was like, she's got something that I need. I went to her church and I met a couple guys and they shared with me what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. And now here's the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And then you just you know, obviously don't take my story, right? It's got to be your story. But you see how I, 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 told, I talked about me coming to Jesus in less than a minute there. And so here's who I used to be. Then I met Jesus. Here's how he's made a difference in my life now. So don't be afraid to share your story. Share it with as many people as you possibly can. And what your story is going to do is, like it did for me, is you begin to wonder, God did that for them. Would he be willing to do it for somebody like me? It gets them to start to question a little bit. Again, they're going to be now open to that invite, come and see. Just come and see. All right, now there's a third thing that we can do to share our faith more like Jesus. And this one especially applies if it's somebody that you're like, um, I'm afraid that, like, if I started talking about things of faith, that this person may be offended. So here it is, number three on your outline. To share my faith like Jesus, I must meet the needs of people around me. Over and over and over again, Jesus met the physical and the felt needs of people before he met their spiritual needs. If people were hungry, he would feed them physically. If they were thirsty, he'd give them something to drink. If they were sick, he would heal them. If they were blind, he would heal them. No matter what it was, Jesus would first of all meet that temporary felt need, physical need first. 
and use that then as a bridge to then talk about deeper spiritual truths. So it's like, here, I'm going to feed you physically, but hey, if you want to hunger no more, I am the bread of life. Oh, you want to thirst no more? I've just given you this to drink, but if you want to thirst no more, rivers of living water flow out of me. Come to me. Oh, you, you think your physical blindness was something? Jesus is like, I've come to remove the, the spiritual blindness that you have. Oh, you, you think curing your leprosy was something cool? I came to cure the human heart. And so you can do the exact same thing. Again, especially for people that may be offended. If you start to verbally share your faith, just show them your faith through serving them. Do whatever you can to help them with whatever problem they may have. You've heard me say this before. If you see a need, meet a need. Again, if you see a need, meet a need. If your neighbor needs their grass mowed, mow their grass. Somebody needs their driveway shoveled of snow, you go and do that for them. If you know how to sew and you hear somebody that's like, oh, I need a button done or I need, you know, the a hymn done or whatever, and you know how to do that, go do it for them. If you're handy with construction things, keep your ears open for that type of thing. Go and serve people who are far from God. Here's something simple you can do. If you see a a moving van that's right around your home, you're going, oh, you're going to ask me to go help them move, right? Well, that'd be nice. But you may not be able to, to time that out just right. But if you see that, oh, somebody's moving into a, a home right around mine or into an apartment right around yours, one of the simplest things you can do is just go introduce yourself to them. Hey, I'm your neighbor. I live just uh, two houses up the, the street here. I saw you moving in. I just wanted to say hi and get to know you. And, and so what are you going to do? You're going to ask. You're going to ask. You're going to ask questions. And what are you going to do then? You're going to listen. And then you're going to Ask questions. So what's a great question you can ask is, are you new to the area? And if they say no, now you have a great opportunity to serve them. Because everybody that's moving in new to the area, what do they want to know? Where do I shop? What's the grocery stores? Where's the nearest pharmacy? Uh, You know, where's a good pizza place? Where's a, a dentist, a doctor? Some of you ask the question, where do I go to get my hair done? I don't have to ask that question. You know? <laughs> but people want to know, where, where's a good place to go get your hair done? And so you're, you're going, hey, since you're, you're new to the area, um, here's a, there's a grocery store we love. It's just right around the corner here. Here's where the pharmacy is. Uh, we have a good family doctor. His name is Dr. So-and-so. Recommend him to you. And I, I don't know, if, you know where you guys moved from, if, if you went to a church or not, but if, if you'd like, we're a part of a great church. And again, you can lie if you want to or send them to another church. I don't care. Just get them in the church, right? I don't care about exponential. I just want them in the kingdom. But just say, you know, we're a part of a great church. And we'd love for you to, to join us some week. And again, what are you doing? You're saying, come and see. Come and see. Nobody's going to be offended by that because what have you done? You've been giving them all these other things, and you've just sort of thrown in this thing of, hey, we got a great church. Love to have you join us if that's something you're uh, interested in. So there's nothing weird about serving people. You just practically look for needs, and then you meet needs, 
And oftentimes, that is going to be that thing that's going to be a bridge between God and them. Number four, to share my faith like Jesus, I must eat meals with people who are far from him. Fifteen different times in the Gospels, we see Jesus sitting down to eat meals with other people. There is just something about eating together that bonds people, and it just makes the conversation flow a little bit easier and smoother. And what Jesus would do is he didn't just eat with his friends. Jesus was very, very strategic about eating with people who were far from God, people who had thought that, oh, maybe I missed out on God's kingdom. In fact, Jesus, oftentimes, he would just invite himself over to people's homes. Right? Now, I'm not saying that you should probably do that, but what I'm saying is like, you know, Matthew and, and Zacchaeus, these notorious tax collectors, thought that there's no way God would want to have anything to do with somebody like me. Just like, hey, let's sit down and have a meal together. Let's talk about this. Again, there's just something about eating with people that all the barriers start to come down, all those, those things that keep them from him. Uh, and and the, the conversations, they're fuller, they're, they're deeper. So here's some ideas, right? Uh, coworker, take a coworker out to lunch or dinner or whatever. And what are you going to do? You're going to ask them questions. It doesn't have to even be spiritual questions. Just things like, so, you know, we've worked together the last couple of years. I don't really get, I haven't gotten to know you all that much. Where are you from? Did you grow up in this area? You know, what was life like growing up? Maybe ask them, you know, just between us, are you, you like really happy here at the job? Or do you have like a dream of something else that you'd love to do? And so you're just asking questions, listening, following up with more and more questions. Invite people into your home. And remember, again, we can ask that very, very simple question is, hey, you know, before we eat here, you know, one of the things we do in our home is we usually pray for our food. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? You know, if it looks like they're sort of uncomfortable with the whole thing, just say a quick prayer then for the meal. And, and real quick, just say something by name for them. But many times people go, man, I, I'd love for you to pray. Could you pray about this particular thing? And here's the power of this. You've invited this unbeliever into your home for a meal. You've asked them, is there something that I can do to pray for you? And then when you pray for that need by name, here's what you need to realize. For most people, that is going to be the first time that they have ever heard somebody pray for them by name. They may have had people in the past said, oh, I'm praying for you, but they have never actually heard somebody pray for them by name with their very own ears. And there is great, great power in that. There's just something about hearing that that people are like, wow. A relationship with God can be real and it can be personal. And oftentimes that's going to be the thing that sort of shifts their mind and shifts their thinking. And now they're starting to ask you about spiritual things. And so now it's not you shoving religion down somebody's throat. It's about them genuinely asking questions. And what are you going to do if you don't know the answer? Are you going to lie to them and go, well, you know, the Bible says, no, you're not going to lie and just make things up. You're going to say, great question. I don't know. Let me research that in return. So I wrap up today. Let me remind you of two different things. 
The first thing is this. Easter is just two weeks away. We're only two weeks away from Easter. And my prayer is that you would take these principles that we've been learning these past couple weeks, and then even what we'll talk about next week as we wrap up the series, but I pray that you would take these principles and apply it every single day in your life, and that you would have the boldness and the courage to invite at least four people to come and see. Hey, Easter's just a couple weeks away, you're saying to them, you know, I'd love for you to come check out my church on Easter Sunday. You don't have to force anything on them. Just invite them. Come and see. Now, why did I pick four? Well, statistically, we know that one out of every four people you invite to come to church with you will actually show up. So if everybody would just invite four, odds are you're at least going to have one. And so we could pack this place out. And again, let's pack out Mike's living room or any of you that are watching online. You know, be here if you can, but invite people in your home, though, to watch the Easter experience with you there online with you. So invite four people. Then here's the second thing that I want to remind you of. And that is that you were saved by God's grace. And your job is to be an ambassador. We talked about that last week. That it's amazing that God asked you to come and sit at his table. There was a chair for you at his table. And we're going to share in communion here in just a little bit. Jesus said that every time that we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup, it's a reminder of what he did and that he will not himself partake of this again until we all do it together with him in heaven. But he said, in the meantime, you keep doing it in remembrance of my body and my blood. And so I want you to be reminded that there wasn't just a seat for you at the table. Every time we come to the Lord's table, there is another chair that has your family member's name on it, your friend's name on it, your co-worker's name on it. Your neighbor's name is on that chair. There is enough room at God's table for everybody, and our job is to invite people to sit in the chair. It's not about sitting in these chairs or sitting on the sofas at home. It's not that type of chair. It's coming into the kingdom of God and sitting at his table that's most important. And so the communion elements are there in the back. And I'm going to, at this time, just ask you to go ahead and, and go back, grab the juice, grab the cup, bring it back, uh, or uh, the, the cup and the, the bread, bring it back to your seat. But I want you to do it in silence. And here's what I want you to do. As you're going and as you're coming, I want you to use it as a constant time of prayer where you're saying, God, who is it that I am to invite? Who is that neighbor? Who is that coworker? Who is that friend? Who is that family member? Who is it, God, you're calling me to come and sit in the chair, to invite them out here on Easter Sunday morning? So go ahead, you're dismissed to go get your elements. Those of you online, grab your stuff now as well, and then we'll share together in just a moment.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had been gathering there together with his disciples, sharing in the, the Passover feast. And this was another thing that Jesus flipped the script. They thought they knew how that night was supposed to go. But during the meal, he, he took the bread and he, he, he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. He said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so today as we take the bread together, let it be a reminder that he gave up his body for you. And now you are to give your body back and return to him. That it's not about you anymore. It's all about him. So let's take and eat together. Signify that we are giving our lives once again to Jesus fully, not partially, but fully, every moment of every single day. And after the supper, Jesus took the cup and he poured out the wine and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. The old covenant, the, the blood had to do with the sacrificing of lambs and goats and sheep and doves, and pigeons, you name it. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus said, I've come to be the new covenant. And I'm going to be that sacrificial lamb without any spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I'm going to give up my life on the cross for you so that your sins can be forgiven once and for all. That no longer do you have to sacrifice all those animals. No longer do you have to go to a priest to be forgiven. Now you can come directly to the Father and ask for his forgiveness and his leadership in your lives. That's part of what this ordinance of communion is really all about, is the reminder of that Jesus shed his blood for you and for me. That you can be forgiven, not because of who you are or anything that you've ever done, but only because of him and his blood. But as I share with you every single communion time, this blood wasn't just for you is for others. There is another chair at the table. Who is it that you know that needs his forgiveness? Don't keep this good news to yourself. Invite your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends to come and experience the same cup of salvation that you've experienced. So as we take the cup here together today, be thankful for your own salvation, but let it be a reminder of those people that you need to invite to be with us here for Easter. Jesus, we thank you that there is power in your blood 
that your blood has saved us, your blood has redeemed us, your love has changed and transformed us. Again, not because of us, but all because of you. Jesus, help us not to keep that good news to ourselves. Help us to be bold in being bridge builders. Help us to be your ambassadors. Here's who I was. Then I met Jesus. Here's who I am today. And help us through both our words and our actions be able to communicate that to others. Not because we're the smartest person in the room, not because we have theological training, but because we just learn to ask loving questions. We've learned to become good listeners, not good talkers. Lord, I pray that through those questions and through that listening, people's hearts would begin to be convicted and they would start to question their own motives and their own beliefs to the point that then they would ask that question, what do you have that I don't have? Because whatever it is, that's what I need. And then Lord, just help us to say, come and see the Jesus that's transformed me. Jesus, it really is that simple for evangelism, but we've made it so difficult and then so scary, but it doesn't have to be. It's to help all of our fears to go away. You didn't give us a spirit of fear. You gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So give us the power through your spirit to, to share our faith. Give us a spirit of love as we share our faith. And give us the self-discipline to every day not think about ourselves, but only think about you. And how can today I share my faith with others in a way that's loving and kind, that is gentle and respectful? Jesus, I look forward to the future testimonies of people that are here at Exponential or a part of other churches that they go, you know what? My life changed because of a question somebody asked me back in Easter of 2023. In the weeks leading up to it, they asked me a simple question, and that started me down a path that led me to Jesus. Jesus, again, we thank you in advance for those types of stories that we're going to hear. We pray all this in your precious and your holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen.